And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Welcome to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And with our season winding down, meaning like the growing season winding down, (laughs) um, do you still have some annuals that are going strong? Did you know that many can be brought inside for you to use for next year? We are going to chat about several plants and summer bulbs tonight. What plants would you like to save? Or if you do this yourself regularly, share with us what you bring in for the winter and how you do it. Or if you have any questions, please send them to Down the Garden Path podcast at hotmail.com. That's right. I know. So lots of annuals. I know. Lots. I was saying to you before the show, I have neighbors who have coleus, for instance, and we all have like different varieties of coleus and everybody's like, oh my God, it's so gorgeous. I don't want to, I want it next year. I want to save it for next year or want the same one next year. And, and when I tell them you can save it, they're like, no way. I didn't know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, so there's lots of annuals that are out there that you can save, you can overwinter, you can propagate, and and save a little bit of money between Mm -hmm. this year uh, and next. And you know what, there's no guarantee that wherever you bought that coleus or whatever, that they're going to be carrying that same variety um, or those same special ones that maybe you found this year because garden centers are always trying some things new and things and looking for new fun plants to put on their benches but there are also lots that are always going to be there like for example coleus you'll right. always have coleus you may not have the funky banana fire coleus <laughs> but yeah you know exactly I mean. exactly and i i've known about this that we can do this and i've always thought like eh, it's not really that much money and it's a lot of work and blah 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 but if you've got several pots out like we know i mean the pot the i mean i spend a, quite a bit on plants you know, regular shrubs and trees and perennials and things for my garden. Um, but then when you get into the annuals and, and it's never, it used to be that one pot by the front door. Well, now it's, you know, placing pots in the garden and now it's like a few pots down my steps. And then it's a couple pots around my pool. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is really starting to add up. Right. So I think, um, and we can like, you know, I think we can also, and this is a whole other show, you know, start some from seed. Um, and grow them yourself instead of buying them in the spring. But we thought we would share with you, especially because right now is the time to do it, right? Before we get a frost, now is the time to bring them in or lift them or whatever. So where would you like to start, Matt? Oh, well, well, why don't we start off with the one that we've mentioned so far is our, our coleus. Um, so bringing in coleus, um, again, the coleus are those beautiful um, multi-colored 
uh, annuals. They're grown mainly for their foliage. They will mm -hmm. get a small blue or purple spike, but most people will deadhead those and cut them mm -hmm. off as they Pinch grow. Pinch them off, yeah. Right, to create a nice, bushy, compact plant. I know I have concolius uh, out on the balcony right now, which is looking fabulous, and I'm cutting it down. But coleus is pretty easy uh, to bring in. So you can basically dig it up and pot it up like you would reverse uh, plant an annual, dig it up, pot it up, take as big of a root ball as you can, or take a root ball that's big enough for the pot that's going to fit in the space that you're going to either keep it in and or propagate it in. So the coleus we can keep over the winter as a plant, um, or we can use it as a mother plant, basically Ooh. meaning uh, the plant is used to create cuttings from. Okay. And we're going to take two to four inch cuttings of new growth. So nice soft wood cuttings. You want a node or two, and we can start them by either just leaving them in water, or you could put them in some moist growing media, just some potting mix, keeping them humid, uh, bright indirect light. We don't want to uh, cause them to or, uh, transpire very much because they have mm -hmm. very limited water. So a bright indirect light, not under your lights and give them two to three weeks to start rooting. Or again, you could start them in water. Like I think we've all started kind of some things in water. It's a classic one that we'll talk about again is also geraniums, our pelargoniums, uh, the annuals, right? We've all taken cuttings of that, drop them in or a hydrangea and just kind of let them root. Uh, and then we're going to plant them in their pot and, and mm -hmm. pot those up those roots. So with the coleus, Matt, so if we've got it, sometimes they are in, and I know I have this situation where I've got it in mixed with some begonias, like it's in a mixed planter and I want to take, so am I better to take out, scoop out um, those coleus plants, pot them up in, let's say, smaller pots and keep them for a little bit before I take cuttings? Or should I just be taking cuttings straight from outside and then just throw away what's left? Yeah, if you just wanted to take cuttings, you could take cuttings just from the plant that is outside, start them indoors, and then just let mum who's out in the pot kind of go away for the winter. So okay. she would just die and you would get rid of them all altogether. So it's it's up to you. So you could save the plant, take multiple cuttings throughout the season, um, or one good batch of cuttings and then throw it out. Um, but I would probably just take away some of those other begonias if you're not going to save those, because those are something else you could save. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, you could uh, get rid of those if you just want the coleus, or you could bring the whole thing inside uh, if you're going to save both of them. Yeah, I think it might be safer to bring the whole thing inside, because if you... Definitely. If yeah, so if you your first few cuttings for whatever reason don't work or whatever, at least you've got you've got you can keep going back right to it. Right, like we've said on the show many times, pruning and taking off uh, growing tips causes new growth uh, to continue to spur on. So by taking the tips, um, you're going to end up breaking, causing breaks in the plant. The nodes will start to send out more leaves and give you that nice bushy plant. Okay. So we'll say something about cuttings. Um, cuttings are always tend to be more successful when they're lateral cuttings. So Ooh. we don't want the tip that's growing straight out of the of the plant, that tip that's 
bursting straight for the sky okay. is we'll we'll still root it will still act as a cutting but the ones that are the branches on the sides the lateral ones so if you imagine like a, a rounded tree the ones on the side that are growing out those are the ones that are going to root a little bit more successfully interesting yeah very interesting okay yeah so we can bring them in the plant or we can we can easily make cuttings from either okay. one Sorry, now, if we, yeah, if we bring in the, the plant, do it need, does it need to go in the basement in someplace cool? Do we treat it much like you were saying, treating almost like a house plant where we bring it in and still leave it in like an indirect window? Yeah, so we want to treat them. If we're not going to have them go dormant, uh, like some of the summer bulbs that we bring in, we do want to treat it as a house plant knowing that we do need to provide it a little bit of light. It'll be used to a south or a west, whatever light you have, whatever plant outside in. Coleus can tolerate some bright uh, direct sunlight, but it uh, does prefer more of a part sun uh, mm -hmm. versus anything else. So kind of mimicking that sunlight or, and of course, obviously we're going to get reduced sunlight as well. We'll, we'll treat it as a house plant. Um, because we're also reducing the light, we're also going to watch our watering on it too. So it's not going to be photosynthesizing. It's not going to have the heat that it does. Uh, but we are going to have dry indoor uh, spaces up in the northern areas. So we'll have to just kind of watch that water. But they will go to somewhat of a semi-evergreen or dormant state. If you have lots and lots of sun, if you do keep it in a south or a west window and replicate that heat and that sunlight, you may see some regular more active, vigorous growth for sure. Mm, okay. And okay. when I brought in my coolies, that's what I did. I kept it in the south window and I just enjoyed it all summer. Um, it did grow a little bit more spindly, like a little, wasn't as dense. Okay. Um, a little it leggy. Did grow a little bit leggy. And that was just because of the shorter days and, and, okay. the, and the light and coming from that window that I had. So, yeah. Okay. Great tips. And um, I mean, there's no harm in trying, right? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, but if you have one that you really like, or your neighbor has one, you know, I think that's something too, we could share with other, your friends or your neighbors have one, then you can, you know, share cuttings and things like that. Yeah. Um, how quickly from when it's like, how long can we keep them? Like I've seen them, you know, the little glass jars on the windowsill, like by the kitchen sink kind of thing, coleus uh, rooting. I mean, can we keep them there like rooting in, in water like till February or is it something that we do kind of September, October, and then by November, we should really get them into a pot? You could keep them, yeah, growing in, in the water, just in the water itself. You would be growing them hydroponically. Um, so just remembering to start to change that water, you okay. know, every 14 to 10 days or 10 to 14 days. And uh, just so it doesn't kind of get gross or grimy or algae starts to grow in it as well. And if you are growing it in water and you're going to leave it in water, you don't want to leave it in a uh, direct sunlight because you will start to get the algae that grows in the cup or the container. The water will start to get a little fausty fairly quickly or quicker okay. than it would. It's always best to leave it in a part sun or a bright indirect light. Yeah. Okay, excellent. 
So coleus is, is pretty fun. You might find that it also grows a little woody um, as it grows. Remember, we're, we're growing them quick and they're young. And as the coleus grows, don't be surprised if you keep the mother plant, if you do start to see some wood form on the oldest parts of the plant. So if you do see some of that wood and you are taking more cuttings, you do want to take some of the softer cuttings. Again, you don't want any real wood on it. You want a nice soft wood cutting. Okay. Yeah. And what do we expect? Um, will they be a good size? You know, if we put them in soil, let's say November, you know, December kind of thing, are you, is a plan hopefully that they're a, a good size for, for uh, February, March or March, April, I guess more. Yeah. And it depends on kind of the space that you have. Like, do you have, you know, a small windowsill where they might get fairly large and leggy? Um, or do you have some controlled lights? Do you have it in a bright or indirect light? Uh, how often are you feeding and watering it? Are you keeping it active? So it depends on what you're really going to want to give it. If you're going to give it and replicate the summer conditions because you have grow lights or a nice solarium type of thing, you might have some good size bushy plants. But you may also just going into the winter without any light substitution, you probably will have just some smaller plants ready to start by the time that are rooted, but are starting uh, already started and ready to start to get bigger and bushier as the days grow longer. But again, with anything that we're keeping and bringing inside, we want to just make sure that we're watching that watering. All the, the days are growing there. They're going to go into that semi-dormant or dormant phase where they don't really want much water. They're not very actively growing, but they're which just kind of there. Which is good, really, because, I mean, yeah. I think it would be harder if they were like super high maintenance, right? Um, so, yes. <laughs> you know, so they, it is forgiving. So I think that's something to remember that uh, bringing in coleus is forgiving. Um, if we move on to geraniums, I've done that before, and they are also... Um, pretty forgiving as well right I I know you can take cuttings I brought um because when my mother-in-law grows things on her balcony and and her condo and then she loves them and she wants to keep them then I get them and I overwinter them either in the ones in the garden or like her hardy hibiscus or yeah. um the geraniums I, I got her a really cool like coral uh, uh pelagonians uh so uh, annual geraniums I never can say that right. Um, <laughs> Pelargonium. Yeah. Say it again. Say it. Pelargonium. Okay. So there yeah. is an R. Pelargoniums. Yeah. Um, and I did. I just kind of put it in. I brought it in the house. I kind of neglected it. It was in the basement. So it was slightly cooler, but not super cool. Um, and then probably February I brought it up upstairs and like got gave it some light and and it still didn't look like much when I gave it back to her but it has flourished on her balcony again so yeah very nice did you find as well the pelargonium started to get um woody as well closer mm -hmm. to the center in the base yeah 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 so so yeah so that's one option like you you said with the coleus is to just bring the whole plant in and um, but you can also treat it like a mother plant as well, right? And take cuttings. Right. You can also take cuttings from them as well. A lot of people will start them either just right in soil. So they'll take a tip cutting uh, again from either uh, the uh, main growing tip or a side shoot with a couple of nodes. They don't really need any um, 
rooting powder or anything for the geraniums. You can just stick them right into the soil and then you're going to give them about three to five weeks and you'll start to see some roots and some new growth, keeping them evenly moist, but not soaking wet as well. And then again, in a bright, indirect light, um, you don't want them in a blazing sun or, right. or, or that sort of thing to dry them out. Okay. Yeah, a little bit of cover. Now, do you have to put them, because they kind of will call it, like they are a little woodier than, let's say, the, the stems of a, of a coleus. Mm-hmm. So is it something where you can kind of take cuttings and maybe put them in a, in a bag with some, you know, shredded newspaper or some peat moss or some wood shavings or something, and then pop them up, you know, kind of in January, February, or is it something you should, you should do right away? They, yeah, they, you could keep them nice and cool because a lot of the geraniums cuttings um, come from overseas when they start potting them up in the greenhouses. Um, So you can definitely keep them reduced in temperature anywhere from usually about four to six degrees Celsius. I think they ship them a little warmer, uh, but yeah, in moist paper in a dark kind of box is how they'll ship them over. So if you wanted to do something similar, definitely. I maybe would put them, if you wanted to put them in a paper bag, I would maybe, or sorry, plastic bag, kind of like a Ziploc bag. I maybe wouldn't close it completely, let Mm. a little bit of that air circulation in there, much like the boxes that they ship the cuttings in just so they mm-hmm. they don't mold out completely yeah, yeah. Um, or get too rotted but yeah you could definitely keep them in temperature I wouldn't put them in a fridge um, but somewhere in like a cold cellar or a cold dark closet something like that yeah and that atoliation that lack of sunlight where they grow and they kind of stretch so you know you put a full sun plant in 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 shade it still kind of grows but you get that kind of leggy discolored growth because doesn't get enough sun right it's reaching right it's reaching too right starts to stretch and reach Um, that atoliation actually also encourages better rooting uh, when it comes oh. to doing the cutting. So starving them a little bit of light and getting them a little stress, um, stretchy, not stressy, <laughs> stretchy, kind of encourages those nodes to start to root and look for oh, ways to um, node out. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, so then they're, oh, that's good to know. So you kind of stress them out a little bit and then they get going stronger when they get uh, get there. Excellent. Yeah, they're encouraged okay. to nice and root. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make sure whenever you're taking cuttings, some of the things that we do for error is um, we just kind of run around with our pruners and we start grabbing and cutting things or we've used our pruners all season. Mm. Remember that when we're taking the cuttings, we're taking them from the mom, the mother plant um, or stock plant is the other word from it. So we want to make sure that mom is nice and fell well-fed, make sure that she's a nice, healthy plant. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that it's not disease, that we're not bringing in any diseases. We also want to make sure that we're not, um, cutting into with you know infected pruners or your floral knife or something like that that might have a pathogen in it um, that you can transmit viruses or other systemic diseases so we want to make sure sanitation and nutrition are very key uh, mm-hmm. as well as far as success for okay. bringing in our cuttings if we bring in a very weak malnourished plant remember that those cuttings have to rely on all their stores that they mm-hmm. have inside them at the time of cutting because they have no roots to really draw anything in now you could 
do something like, um, you know, like a kelp fertilizer. We know we um, mix it, it's organic. We spray it on the leaves of like our tomatoes or, you know, some of our other fruit and vegetable plants. We could do a foliar application to help kind of help them along. Um, oh, pardon me. Uh, but we want to make sure that, that just to start with, they're nice and and okay. fat. <laughs> okay. So anybody who has in the GTA anyway, I know our listeners are from all over, but um, so if we've got annuals, you know, yeah, don't wait until they're sad and dried up and then think you can rescue them, right? You want to mm-hmm. go get, because, you know, I am getting I, out of the habit of watering as much and we got a little rain shower today. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't have to water. But you're saying we should really water them and still baby them a little bit um, when until we're ready to bring them in. Yeah, exactly. We might still, again, use it as a mother plant and just take cuttings. Mm-hmm. Um, or br- if we do bring it in, we just want to make sure that they're still healthy and prime. And then, like you said, remember, they're, they are annual. Uh, so something like a coleus is a tender annual where we're going to see just the start of our frosts or some good cold dip these plants are going to start to take damage. Um, I was out with my students today at a garden and there was a patch of coleus. It was one of the main plants in the mid area of the bed. But we, if you, I want to say like last week now, but a number of days ago, we had about five degrees at night and we could see where the coleus started to lose all of its leaves. Um, so that they started to shed because they started to take some cold damage. So yeah, treat it kind of like those house plants that you put outside um, that you've overwintered, you spent all that time and money and energy on that you're about to bring back inside. Um, you want to make sure that they're healthy, they're happy, they're fed, and they're going to continue to thrive when you bring them back in like they did outside. Okay. Yeah. And so is it something we should do like right now? Should we, can we wait until like the end of September, beginning of October, like Thanksgiving um, pros and cons? Yeah. I mean um, the pro of doing it now is just that you've, it's warm. You don't have to worry about any stresses or cold coming. You can kind of dig it up. You can bring it in. You may not have everything brought in yet. So it's good to start to think about it and plan it now. Uh, cons depends on like which one, if you're going to go for cuttings or plants, remember they're going to take up some space. Um, so making sure that you have enough space, making sure that you're going to keep them away from, you know, vents and other things that might weaken them. Mm. Uh, if, especially if you just do the cuttings, um, but I guess the main, yeah, the main pro is just, you know, getting it before it takes any damage. So you're not bringing in a weak plant, uh, and you're struggling. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, so we have a couple of questions. So um, Mike has written in and he lives in a very dry part of Arizona. Are there any annuals that you know that need little or no water? That is always an issue for us here. Yes, I can only imagine, Mike. Um, constant watering. Any annuals or perennials that need little water? Thanks. Um, yeah, there are a few, right? Annual wise. I mean, although because we're in different zones, I don't know if the annuals are the same, right? Yeah. Um, I think of portulacas as something being very, you know, very succulent and, and very hardy and not needing a lot of uh, water. Um, and then yeah. as far as perennials go, I mean, I think the, I think the sedums, there's so many different types of sedums now, not just the big chunky one. There's lots of little um, spreading ones and, you know, ground cover, um, Mike, that can be really shade the other plants that you have in your garden and they virtually don't need much at all. 
Right. Yeah. And if you find um, you have some annuals or perennials, things that are like silvers and blues Mm. usually have like the blue is that waxy bloom that the leaf produces. Uh, It only produces it once as that that section grows, that new growth, but it's designed to help keep and mitigate that water loss. Same things with silver. It keeps it light. It reflects some of that light. And that pubescence helps insulate and prevent a lot of that water from going. So uh, things like your, yeah, dusty miller, um, you know, blue rushes. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of sedums, things like that for sure. And uh, geraniums that we were just talking about as well. Uh, they love that hot heat. Uh, and they like it a little bit on the drier side. We want to give them water when they need some water, but they don't need to be evenly moist all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they can take that tolerant and they like to take that cool too. Um, so again, I've never been to Arizona, Mike. I don't know what your nighttime temperatures are out there, but they don't mind the cool season. And I think that geraniums, the pelargoniums, the annual ones are often overlooked as far as our fall planters because we get those cool nights, but they're still okay to, to shrug that off. Yeah. They're one of those half hearty, yeah. uh, hearty annuals. Yeah. Yeah. I think the challenge with them is they're often geraniums are often in a mixed planter, right? Yes. And so the, you know, the, the hanging plant, like the petunias or the, the um, million bells, like some of the other plants that they're with, look really sad and they need water. And so then by, by just by the fact that they're all in the same pot, uh, the geraniums, uh, get watered, but yeah, yeah I've yeah. done, you know, what, I forget what the ones are, the tiny geraniums, the ones that are in a hanging basket, but they're, um, yeah. Pelargonium peltatum. They're the ivy leaf geranium. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And they usually, yeah, they, and I've always, they're hard to find because I think people know that they don't need as much care. Right. Yeah, they are nice mounding, billowing. They've got that yeah. nice classic ivy leaf. And like our zonal geraniums or the, the regular geraniums that we we have, they're also able to be brought in and overwintered mm. uh, as well. And you would treat them very much the same. The same. But yeah, yeah, those those hanging ivies, those um, ivy leaf geraniums are tough. Yeah, they're tough, tinier, tinier flowers. So not the same kind of chunky, but I kind of prefer them. I do prefer them, especially in a hanging basket. And you will have those all by themselves. So that's the other thing is that they tend to make, I, you know, not having to deal with like three, looking after three or four different varieties of plants in a pot. It's just all one, uh, you know. Um, So yeah, so that is something to think about as well. And Bob has kind of uh, subbed up, summed up our show. And he's saying, so basically, hi, Joanna and Matt. So basically, are you saying we can grow our own annuals from our old annuals? There you go. We needed a title for the show. (laughs) There we go. Thanks, Bob. So yeah, that's basically what we're saying. And we just, you know, part of it is just thinking about the you know, you're attached to something you've been growing all summer and it's really hard to throw it away or compost it. And two, financially, like, you know, um, doing that where we, they are expensive. So if you can try to, um, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It doesn't cost you anything because you already had the plant, right? And we're not saying you have to buy anything extra or anything more. You just need to uh, bring them inside and, and or take cuttings, depending on what you want to do. So we feel like that's a a good way for you to, you know, um, expand your garden, maybe give gifts uh, in in the spring, surprise your friends, um, or just have more annuals in your garden in containers or pots um, that you got for free. 
right? So it's a win-win, don't you think? All right, so Matt is... Oh, hi, Karen. Uh, she's saying, thank goodness your show is on tonight. There's nothing on radio except uh, the recap of the Queen's funeral. Um, and yes, uh, I'm sure that uh, um, I'm glad you're listening, Karen. So thank you for tuning in. Um, we've lost Matt. I think he must have had a signal drop there. Um, but that is okay. He'll be back, I'm sure, in a second. Right, Gary? Yes, I'm looking. I'm trying to see what went like, on. Like, oh, there. did I lose you both? No, 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 I'm I'm busy here trying to see why that happened. Okay, okay. Um, one of the ones I also wanted to talk about, uh, and I know Matt can chime in when he gets back. And it's popular, and it's one of those popular filler plants, and that is sweet potato vine. So. That's it tends to be the most popular one is that lime green, uh, you know, you see it in a lot of containers or sometimes you buy it if you're making your own containers. So the foliage is uh, lime green, kind of heart shaped. Um, they also comes in a dark purple, but it's I think the most popular is that lime green one. And they definitely start out small, but they grow quickly and they kind of cascade around the pots whether it's hanging baskets or other pots, they actually do great in the garden. If you've got a sh shady, um, dry area where you, nothing grows, it's amazing. They can kind of take over like a really good ground cover, but they're annuals. So at the, if you've ever dug them up or dumped the pot out in the fall and you see there's these huge tubers. So no, you can't eat them. We're not growing uh, sweet potatoes to eat. I was going to ask you that if I it was, know. you know, right. <laughs> Um, but you can save them and dry them. So he's back. Um, so you can save them and for to be used next year. So uh, Matt, I was just, I don't know if you can hear me yet, I was just talking about the sweet potato vine. Um, and many people don't know that, that you can, you can reuse it. So, um, so that is great. So I think it comes time for, um, soon just like the other plants where you want to dig them up and cut them back are you back am i back can you hear yes, me yes you're back yes i can hear you <laughs> so we are talking about um digging up the tubers from sweet potatoes we've already explained that we we cannot eat them you know what we know i know someone i think we both know someone can you hear me i can yeah Oh, but is it weird now? Okay. Yeah. Um, there we go. How's that? A little bit better. Yeah. You sound like you're in a closet. <laughs> um, you know what? We know someone um, that also actually does grow the different cultivars and varieties of sweet potato vine just for the potatoes to eat. Oh, really? Yes. Mr. Uh, Norm Mills does that. Ah, he yeah. does, does he? Okay. So, so I've never done, but yeah, okay. So if we were to dig up the tubers right now, like right now the plants still look pretty good, right? So, but um, so is there a certain process? Um, we dig them up, we cut the do we because we just want the potato or the root, right? Right, right. So it's basically like saving that little tuber, that potato, um, digging it up. Don't really need to wash it off or like rinse it with water. Dig it up. Um, let the uh, green kind of come back to it and brush off any dirt, dust it off. And then you can just cut off 
all of that green. And then we're going to just store them like we would store a potato. We're going to keep it uh, dry and cool in a cool location that doesn't freeze and make sure that our potatoes overwinter there. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And then there's a few ways in the spring, right? I tried one way last year because <laughs> you can also take the sweet potatoes in your cupboard. So we can eat the ones that we grow as annuals, but you can grow the ones that you buy at the grocery store. Yes, you can grow those too, yeah. Yeah. So I tried and I've heard that there was um, there's the meth method in the water by you basically um, um, take the potato, let's say the potato standing up. Right. And yeah. put some toothpicks around the perimeter and the center of the perimeter and then kind of hang it in um, like a jar or a glass of water or something like that. Right. So we we don't want to submerge. So it's we want it kind of floating in the in the water. Right. Yeah, so it just kind of can sense that water and maybe has a little bit of a tip or depending on your container. And then all of those roots grow further south. Yeah, and they fill in the water. Kind of like a hyacinth jar kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'd also read that you could um, cut them in half and put them in soil and that they would also root as well. And I tried and that did not work for me. <laughs> so it didn't of the sweet potato, like of the grocery store, sweet potatoes, not the potato vine ones, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like all the other potatoes, right? Each of those eyes is a growing point um, mm -hmm. and they'll grow those roots or those, those eyes. Yeah. Excellent. And so, yeah, I was given some by one of my uh, friends from the Horticultural Society in the garden club that I'm in. So she made like little, uh, she does a lot of them every year and water this way very successfully. And then she creates these little pots out of newspaper. So it doesn't cost her anything and then roots them in, in soil once, you know, once they get going. And uh, so then she had a whole bunch to give away at, in the spring. Very nice. And they filled in nicely. Yeah, I put them in my, like, they were no different than what I bought normally from the garden centers. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. so see, making more plants from other plants. <laughs> That's right. That is right. So, um, yeah. Can we jump into the mid part of the show and have me do my thing? Um, I'm sure there are listener questions coming in that we'll we'll get to. Uh, but I just want to say thank you for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. Um, and thank you for those who are listening to you on the podcast. Um, did you do this while I was away? No. Okay, you just shook your head. <laughs> Sorry, no. uh, okay. Um, I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, uh, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there. You can also find us and lots of past episodes on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. Don't forget, you can always write us here, down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. And you can find us uh, on our website. You can find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca. And you can find me at www.naturalaffinity.ca. 
Excellent. Thank you. Um, so we do, Sue's written in with a really good question for us. She says, um, is this information we were referring to tonight in our book? <laughs> and kind of, sort of, right? We, we talked about that before the show too. So we, we don't do a deep dive in it, but we kind of give you timing, like when it's time to do it. Right, Maya? Right, Matt? Yeah, so we have a, a few pointers in our fall months about lifting bulbs, um, making sure, you know, again, they're healthy, how to do it. Um, we don't go into a super deep dive um, like we do here on the podcast, uh, but we do give you that timing and some tips to make sure that you're successful with over our winter and your plants. Definitely more here. Um, we do tend to focus a little bit more on the bulbs um, or those, you know, those tender perennials like the cannas, callas, um, sweet potato vines, things like that, where we're going to bring in the root mass versus um, things like our coleus, where we might bring in the entire plant. Right. Right. So there you go, Sue. So lots of, so we hope you, we would love for our listeners to uh, let us know what you think of our books and buy our books. Um, you know, we would really appreciate the support. Um, so yeah, so that is a good question. So in addition to um, what I would consider as more annuals, like as far as annual plants. So we've kind of covered sweet potato vine, coleus, uh, geraniums. So tuberous begonias work very much the same as the geraniums, right? That we can dig up the tubers or we treat it as some other plant and take cuttings. So we've kind of covered that. Um, time flies. Holy smokes. Uh, <laughs> when, every time you and I think we don't have enough to talk about, we, uh, we definitely do. So I don't know what your social media feeds are like everybody, but mine is full of dahlias right now. So everybody's dahlias, I think they were a little late this year because of that drought in August. Um, so uh, my next door neighbor, hers are just amazing. I've never, honestly, never wanted to grow them. I've never been interested in growing them. And when I see what's happening next door, I'm like blown away. Um, so anyway, so I, now is the time or shortly, right? We, we want to give everybody, it's better if we talk about it before you actually have to do it, right, everybody? So lifting our dahlia bulbs, your canna bulbs, as well as your calla, um, well, calla or caladiums. Um, those are the ones that almost look like a house plant, right, with the very uh, interesting foliage. Um, so those are also things that, you know, once you invest in it once, if you are good about lifting them and overwintering them, then not only do you get more, right? They, they make more, uh, they're tubers. You can cut them and split them and, and divide them. Uh, so yeah, so it's not only are you saving money, you can even make money by selling them if you wanted to or, or giving them away as gifts. So any tips, Matt, as far as um, lifting the bulbs? This, what we will call summer bulbs. Yeah, and we talk about that difference too in the, the summer bulbs and then the fall bulbs or spring bulbs, right? So our summer bulbs are not hardy. Once we get to see uh, some cold temperatures, especially in the soil, uh, they are pretty much dust. So as we start to see them start to yellow out, that's our signal, our timing signal to consider digging them up and uh, bringing them in. So much like we were talking about our sweet potato vine, we're going to lift up uh, the tubers or corms or rhizomes, depending on what plant it is, and we're going to dust them off, take away the soil, 
And then we're going to, as that plant yellows down, we are going to uh, get rid of the excess foliage. And then we're gonna air dry them for a couple of days inside. We don't want them to be super wet, but we also don't want them to be to be bone dry. Again, don't wash anything off, just nicely mm -hmm. brush them yeah. off. Leave that layer of protective dust. We don't want to damage the roots or their skin to get infected or anything as we're yeah, we don't. There. Yeah, we don't want to introduce any moisture. You want to cut off, right? Cut off the stems um, and, and make sure we're not introducing any moisture. That's right. And again, same thing as applied to taking cuttings, clean tools. And then we're going to either package them up in shredded newspaper. Some people will use some peat moss um, or sawdust. And we can keep them in a space that is, again, kind of cold cellar like. We never want it to freeze. We want it about four degrees Celsius, maybe four to six degrees Celsius. And then we're going to keep them overwintered in a dark, cool space for over the winter and hopefully again we have healthy uh, rootstocks that we're bringing in there's no diseases or issues and as long as they don't get moist um, or we watered them or again like we introduced something to them or kept them moist mm. they should be perfectly happy and nicely dormant until the end of february or, or beginning of march and then we might see them start to wake up again excellent yeah. um so just to back up i have a question about whether um one of our listeners has a question about, do we have to wait for a frost or um, can we do it before the frost? You know, sometimes you, you need to wait for the frost to kind of kill the, the flower or kill the plant foliage and then we bring them in. Does it, does it matter? No, you could bring them in earlier, but we, what happens is as it gets cold, the plant realizes it's getting cold. And if it's weak, it might just die. Um, but and on the other hand, it's going to start to try to take that energy, much like our trees, right? They bring in all the, the energy from the leaves, they turn color and they, they drop. The bulbs will try to do the same thing too, as they get the signal to go dormant, they'll suck in some of that food. So if it's a nice, big, healthy bulb you've been, been feeding, she should be okay no matter what. Um, but if you're not quite sure, um, you can just leave it. And again, it's just more of a, you're leaving that energy behind. Mm. Type of thing. That's all it is. They will most likely, whatever size they are, as long as they're healthy, will overwinter and come back more often than not. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And they're kind of nice in the sense that you, um, unlike the annuals that need a little bit more light and a bit more, make sure they have a bit of water and, and stuff like that. The bulbs are kind of like, bring them in and store them and forget about them. Really? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Store them. And then again, as long as they're dry and they're cool, they don't take in any excess moisture. Um, they're good to go. Yeah. Excellent. They will just kind of hang out. Yeah. And I suggest saving some pots from your annuals, um, you know, saving them, they stack nicely in your garage kind of thing, or visiting um, one of the recycling centers at, uh, at the, your garden center in the fall as well and saving some of those pots so that you, you know, can wash them, give them a good wash, maybe a little bit of bleach and water just to make sure they're all disinfected so that you have them ready for that February, March. Um, Cause I know I've done that where I've gotten the bulbs and then not got, and then cleaned out my garage and recycled all my pots and stuff. And they're much harder to find 
in February, uh, in January. So that's my biggest tip is to, you know, you don't have to do much with them and they stack nicely. So it doesn't take up a lot of space, um, but just make sure you have some good size pots, um, plastic pots from the garden center, um, you know, again, clean and ready to go for the spring. Um, and then you, when it comes time to take the tubers out of uh, store, cold storage, then, and we'll probably do a show about that in the spring and tell you now's time to take them out kind of thing. So don't worry about that timing. We love to, uh, to keep you informed there. But now is it really about saving what we have now in the garden so that we can save money next year. And, uh, and that way we are uh, good to go. Um, so the, I was saying to Matt to, um, sorry about the pots. So definitely have the pots. And with the dahlias, I know the, often you're going to get a whole bunch of like roots stuck, stuck together and the cannas as well. And we can also in the spring, when it comes time to plant them, you can, with a clean, sharp knife, start to make, you know, dividing those tubers and then that's where you get the multiples. You might only put two plants away, but you might get four or six in the spring. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Much like we're dividing irises and we get the eyes and things like that, we can take those tubers and grow them. Um, like the cannas as well. They have those tuberous roots in there. So we kind of have those thick, fleshy roots. And then we get a potato or like an expanded growth. Those can all be broken off. Um, with a nice sharp knife and planted individually. So just know too, like what type of root structure your plant plant has too, um, which is usually just a quick quick Google as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I loved your tip about about the pots as well. Sorry, just as I I switched there. Um, yeah, again, also if you don't have some pots, watch around your. May your your air quotes May two four weekend or a couple of weekends before some of the garden centers have those recycling programs and I know that's when I go get go get yeah. my pots living in where in the condo like I do um, I can go harvest them I can sterilize them give them a nice wash mm -hmm. and uh, they're ready ready to go as well. Mm -hmm. And I was saying we'll do a, a show in the spring telling people when to start potting them up. Um, but that's the nice thing is that it's 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 much it's not as like with seeds. I think you've got like much tighter timelines depending on what you're starting from seed. Right. Um, but I think when it comes to bulbs and tubers, you've got a little bit more flexibility as to when you start them. Um, before you get them ready to go outside in the spring. So it's a little bit, so for a first time gardener, for our beginners out there that have never done something like this, it is easier. It is easier than, honestly, I, I've done the seed starting and I've had, you know, you know, m different kinds of success, but usually that's just because of my timing. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to these bulbs and the thing is, the thing I find the seeds, if they, you blow it, it's okay. They're you know, the seeds aren't usually that much money, but the tubers are more expensive. So yeah. I feel like then you're, you're a bit more invested. And the fact that you're going to get a couple, several out of one tuber, I think is exciting to know that. Um, now, I've never done um, callas, but I saw some pictures of some gardens this year, especially shade gardens, because it's much more like, like um, coleus. It's a colorful plant for the shade. So it really can be a, a showstopper. So, um, so yeah, so I'm kind of intrigued by uh, trying those out, Matt, have you, um, 
Have you done them before? I've done a couple in pots, um, but I've never honestly tried to overwinter them. Um, yeah. And it was a while ago that I tried them. So when I did try to bring them inside, I did end up um, over, it was, this was a while ago, overwatered them and, and kind of killed them. But yeah, yeah they are fantastic um, summer bulb for a beautiful shady area. Nice long uh, clumps of lanceolate-like leaves, that nice spatics-like flower that comes up in, in dark purples and blacks and yellows, whites, reds, oranges. They're they're gorgeous. They are fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. So I was curious that we have no listeners who have said that they've done this before. So, so <laughs> I, you know, I'm hoping we're helping you. Um, and if you have, and I'd love to know what you, you know, we've named a few that we feel are more popular. Is there another particular one that you are want to know how to bring it in? Um, but in the meantime, Monica has written in and she said, hello, Matthew and Joanne. I've read your book, which was loaned to me from a friend. Aw, that was a very nice friend. Um, and she's now, I'm now going to purchase one or two for Christmas presents for my gardening friends. It was written so beautifully. Well, thank you so much, Monica. We really appreciate that. Um, we're very proud of it and we know it can help. There's so much about it that can help um, everybody in the garden. So we are, uh, we're really, so thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Monica. Thank you for taking the time to, to read it, but also let us know. We love hearing that. Thank you so much. So we talked about some of the classic uh, annuals that you can bring in, um, your begonias, your geraniums, your ivy geraniums, sweet potatoes. I'm trying actually a sweet potato I found actually still out of garden center, a nice dissected leaf one. I'm going to grow it oh. actively this uh, summer or okay. winter. And see how it goes. And then we've talked about some of our, our classic quote unquote summer bulbs that aren't going to overwinter as well. Um, our cannas, our callas, caladiums, things like that. One other bulb that some people may or may not put outside um, is our amaryllis bulbs. Mm -hmm. So if you enjoy your amaryllis, I know they are not inexpensive around the Christmas time, uh, but they are something else you can pot up and put out with your calla lilies in a partial to full shade uh, location. And then basically what's it's going to do is basically going to feed and try to create the flower uh, for this Christmas coming. As we get into mid to end of September, this is a time where we want to start to see if it's going to start to yellow. If it doesn't, you can just cut the leaves off, dig it up. And just like we were saying with the other bulbs, right, just brush off the dirt in the garden. You don't want to wash it. You also never want to take the tunic off. So that's the name for that papery mm. onion, right? If you think of like an onion, yep. that's like that paper. Sheath. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not like that sheath and it's a protective layer. You never want to pull that off. Um, and so leave that intact. And then again, just treat it like those other bulbs. She'll usually only go dormant for about a month or two. And then by the time we get into early to mid-November, we want to plant it up again. And then we'll she'll start to reroot again, wake up again. And like the ones that we'll see at Christmas, they'll tend to flower spike first before they start to send out a, mm. a renewed cluster of foliage mm. so I know I have one out at my parents uh they're a red one it's almost time to to cut back but they're an interesting foliage as well to put out in um just the big long strap like 
Yeah. Something different for the shade or partial shade. We didn't talk about that before the show, but thank you for bringing that up because I actually had three. So I didn't bring them outside, but I did put them in my sunny window um, most of the summer. I think I, and I, and they grew like, like you said, like long foliage and I kept, and I kept thinking, when is it going to yellow? When is it going to (laughs) yellow? And uh, finally two of the three did. And the third one I ended up cutting off. So I actually put them in the basement about a month ago. So maybe a little ahead of time. Um, can I bring them out already? I would keep them until about the be- end of October, beginning of November, because okay. then that's if if she has her flower, that's and you can bring them out really anytime. But at the beginning of, of November, end of October, that's when that flower spike will usually start to grow out and bloom almost perfectly in time for Christmas Day. Okay. So okay. usually that first to second week of November yes. is when you plant it okay. and get her activated. And let her come up again. Okay. Yeah. So no, it's perfectly fine. The other two, they did their thing. They were ready. They're mm-hmm. happy and ready for sleep. Good. And I also want our listeners to know um, that if you are interested in what we're talking about, but maybe you've never grown dahlias or never grown calla lilies or or anything by corms. Um, and I'm going to do this because, like I said, I've been so impressed by ones that the dahlia that my neighbor's been growing, the dahlias that my neighbor's growing. I did visit. Uh, I've mentioned her before on the show. She was an early guest on our show. Um, Melanie from Dahlia May Flower Farm. Um, I visited on the, the, I was going to say May long weekend, on the Labor Day long weekend (laughs) and got to see her farm and finally meet her in person. It was lovely. Um, So she grows all the things that she grows. Then she does dig up um, the dahlias and sells her tubers. So she's got some really unique ones. And even if you're not buying from her, this is the time to buy them. A mail order so you can because you know bread and butter ones are going to be at the garden center that kind of thing but if you want unique ones or different ones or bigger ones now is actually the time to buy them and you'll get them but it's the same thing you're going to keep them cool and, and wait and then pot them up in the spring because if you go looking for them mail order in the spring they're much harder to find right matt yeah exactly yeah, and you should be getting, if you've signed up um, to Vessies or other places like that, you should be getting some local or catalogs or bulb catalogs mm-hmm. in the mail now too. Exactly. So, because because uh, while we were having this this uh, meet or show, I got my email, and so Melanie's saying, "Mark your calendars. Our all our fall bulbs and corms will be available soon." So I know she grows some, much like her tulips, her fall stuff. She grows some really unusual ones and uh, really unique ones. So, um, so that's good to know. So that's something, and that can also be a gift. Like I, I, I love giving plants and thinking outside the box literally for gifts for people. So if you have a garden in your life, you know, buying them in the fall, some rare and some unusual dahlias that you can just keep box for them and then give that to them at Christmas for that they, they, they can grow next year. I think there's no better gift. I really do. And I have no skin in the game. I wish we had dahlias to sell, but we don't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I just think it's a great idea when you're thinking ahead. And, um, and again, you know, the ones that you can reuse, um, we're definitely thinking about budgets and, and, you know, and saving money and, and sharing it even with friends, that type of thing. Right. Yeah, that's right. If you each were into taking cuttings from one plant or bringing in one plant, 
you can create lots of new other plants uh, and cuttings and just give them away, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like the, if we all grew one vegetable in our front yard and then shared with everybody, right? We'd eat so much yeah. more for so less, yeah. so, so much less money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we have a, a, an interesting question from George. And I think we've got time for our last question. He's saying, um, what are those little white balls in soil when you buy garden center? They are both the size of a BB and they are always in the soil. They do not go away, melt or disappear. It is, is it some type of long-term fertilizer? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's usually a, a Nutricoat or an Osmocote fertilizer. So it's got like a resin prill that's filled with the fertilizer that becomes water soluble um, as it starts to uh, hit certain temperatures. The pores on the prill will open and water will enter dissolve some of it and take it away so yeah if you kind of pop them um they'll just kind of spurt out all their their fertilizer and but that's all they are so they're not monstrous insect eggs or something that you're gonna <laughs> yes. it's just something that's top dressed or even some nursery product producers will put them in with the root zone as well uh so you may as you dig something you might find some a little further down as they're yes. potted yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for that question, George. Yeah. Um, so everyone, we, we hope you enjoyed. I hope your gets your mind thinking about water around your yard and your neighbor's yard, maybe to what you can rescue and bring back inside and hopefully reuse for next year. Um, and, you know, I think it was a great show and I hope you guys uh, agree with me. Um, we have another great show as we wind down. We have another great show next week because um, now is also the time to harvest milkweed so if you are interested in supporting uh the monarch butterfly which we've had very very often many shows about in different <laughs> shapes and forms um we are going to have a friend of mine uh, lisa ray on to talk about harvesting your own milkweed and then how you save those seeds, how you harvest, how you save those seeds, and then how you grow milkweed in the spring. Um, so I'm really excited to learn from her. Uh, she does it to raise butterflies, and uh, but she's experimented, and she said she's like really feels like she's finally perfected it. So uh, <laughs> so I'm excited. It's it's nothing better, right, to learn from someone who's who with trial and error have figured it out. That's right. Never be afraid to trial and error in a garden. Um, yes, always try stuff. I've got lots of questions for her already, so I am looking forward to next week's show. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in here down the garden path, Reality Radio 101. We hope you'll join us next week, uh, same channel, same time, and uh, while we talk all about harvesting and starting our milkweed uh, for next year. So, excellent. Don't forget, you can write us at any time down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. Until uh, next week, we will uh, see you then. Take care, Bye everyone. For now. Bye. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.